Hello and welcome to Flippin' and Mashin'. This is a podcast about pinball, arcade games that we don't play, video games, movies, and whatever else we have in our game rooms. This is your host Parnell and Awas is with me. Oh my gosh. Who's who's with me? Ryan! Ryan's with you! It's me! <laughs> our game room seems empty today. It does. Really empty. Do, do you hear someone... Is there someone outside? I, you know, I think there, I think there is. (gasps) (laughs) 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 Who's here? Hey guys. That's Oh my God. (laughs) That's Jerry from Multimorphic. How you doing guys? We, um, we're excited that you're gracing us with your presence again. Yeah, you know, I was just walking around the uh, the the uh, upper great, what is it, Midwest? Where am I? Where am I again? Minnesota. Walking around, yeah, mostly yeah. outside. You're, you're in Minnesota. It's already snowing here. In the neighborhood, figured I'd stop <laughs> by and say hi. How exciting. Well, what brings you here today, Jerry? Oh, you know, always, always interested in talking to people who... Uh, Enjoy the stuff we're doing, and you guys are—you guys have professed yourselves as big fans of the P3, so I, I figured we would uh, chat about it. I feel like you should sign more of my game. <laughs> yeah, we hit our signatures. We don't like <laughs> signing stuff, so we hit them inside your game. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? You sign every every part has to have a signature now. <laughs> so right on the glass, right where I need to put. You should outline a, where the dollar bills need to go when I lose them to all my friends. We are we we do not like signing things. We don't we don't like. We'll 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 do it when asked, but it's not something that, that we look forward to doing. <laughs> well, and Parnell, did you ever find the the clues that Jerry's you know hid inside your P three? I mean, did you find those? I think that's fake because <laughs> <laughs> I think I spent a few hours, maybe not a few hours, but like I spent a while. I'm sitting here. I texted a bunch of friends uh, for UV flashlights so I could see if it was written in like. <laughs> <laughs> UV ink, like I got serious because even Scott Denise was like, "Did you take the integral of all those signatures?" <laughs> Get real, you guys. No, but the cool thing is, we, we added the clues before we put the playfield frame in the machine, so they're actually on the back wall. Are you serious? I might, I might, I might be. Guess you're gonna have to take your P3 apart to find out. No, Jerry doesn't know this, but that's really mean because I just blew my back out helping my buddy to concrete, <laughs> and so lifting the heist play field, I'll have to get assistance. <laughs> I you maybe, maybe I can come up there. I joked about switching back to Cannon Lagoon to get the the sample app running on my P3, and I was like. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I realized, oh, ouch. Nope, I can't lift that much. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, you got the sample app running or you're, you're working on it? Oh, I, if you've seen the Discord, <laughs> I, I'm like the perfect example of your standard, you know, stupid user. It's great. So I finally Standard got... Apple user. <laughs> I, I didn't even knew, well, I first tried to get it on my Apple, but that's a whole nother compatibility story but i finally got it running on linux on a build server and then i built the sample app and i put on my usb and plugged it in and 
Yeah, it's sitting there on the main menu, but it's locked to the... I'm assuming... I think Gamma Goat said it was the Cannon Lagoon playfield. Oh, uh, it doesn't have to be, but when you build it, there's an option for which uh, playfields you want it to build against. That's what I thought after I saw the lock, and I was like, oh, I should just rebuild it with the heist playfield. Yeah, you could do and that, then, or you can put the word any in, capital A-N-Y, and then oh, it would work with any of them. Sweet, I'll just do that then. Um, no, you have to swap out heist with your bad bag. <laughs> get an <laughs> engine lift crane. Yeah, it was um, I the only good thing, Jerry, is like when I had so many problems doing my build server, it's like one of those um, if you don't fail, you don't know how to do it. So every time I couldn't get it working, I figured out why. And it's now made me like one, read the directions slower and then two, take my time and slowly get into it instead of just trying to like skip and rush a lot of the things i missed were like un it said unzip the period multimorphic dot zip and a lot of the i wouldn't say hacking but in the some of the customizing scenes they leave those zips zipped and so i just left it and put it in my root and it didn't do anything and the the sample or um the sim would load up but it you know wouldn't do anything and then finally after a couple OS installs, I was like, oh, my God, I have to unzip this. And then oh, sure enough, yeah. I can move the ball around and interact. I'm like, yep, there we go. So It's, all, it's all, <laughs> always something little, but there's a bunch of people now who have been through the process. So if, if you run into something like that in the future, just, just post a log or something and somebody can tell you probably exactly what it is really quickly. Yeah, yeah so, so the cool thing, I, even uh, Ian had mentioned it, was get your sample app running. And then just make small changes. And then you, you just load it on your game and you can see it. And I think that, for me, is a really good start yeah. to make sure that even if, it's a, even if I change the background, I see it and then it's exciting and then it's like, here's the next thing. And then you just keep, you keep adding on to it and all of a sudden it kind of just snowballs. I think maybe that's kind of how it worked for him the first time. Too. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And uh, to be completely honest with you uh, about... Um, well, all of our apps, everything that we create, we start with that same sample app. So we created that thing to be the basis of development for anyone. We use it ourselves to make sure it stays in sync with all the latest library developments that we work on to add f core features and things. But um, So about 11 months ago, I just checked the, the log on our check-ins. Uh, it was September 8th, 2020. We branched that, we made a copy of that sample app, and we started working on a new game. And that new game, I know when this podcast is coming out, was revealed this morning. Uh-oh. Is this, is this the big game? The it's, one you've been teasing? <laughs> it, it is a game we've been teasing. We talked a while ago... I mentioned it in an article that we're working on a licensed theme. Um, this is not that. We're still working on that licensed theme. It's going to be a full playfield kit. It's going to be a a theme that everyone's going to know it when they when they hear it and see it, and hopefully they want to play it and enjoy it. This is this is a different game. This is a an entirely new software application. We're calling it a retheme of the Cosmic Kart Racing Playfield. So if you, if you have that playfield, 
you can get a hold of this game. It's called Sorcerer's Apprentice. And it's an entirely new game for that playfield. Entirely new theme, new rule set. Um, it's even got a new apron artwork. And um, everything about the game looks different, except for the fact that it uses an existing playfield. This is so exciting. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a joke like two games in one year. That's a lot. Yeah. Two games. When did we do? So the heist was last year, right? Yeah, heist was February of 2020. Shoot and scoot was December of 2020. So in it's that less new? Than 12. Yeah, I think so. Wow, I just must have been on the loop. In, in less, yeah, in less than 12 months, we could potentially have. And honestly, the the license theme depends on a lot of things. It depends on the license holder approving stuff and us getting. Um, everything finished and manufacturable and all that stuff. But it's, it's possible within 12, within a 12 month period, we have three or more. Games. <laughs> uh, you, you keep teasing these pictures and we keep going over, you know, maybe it'll just be the cosmic cart play field <laughs> over and over and over again. Okay. So, so sorcerer's apprentice, you have a name. Yep. Um, you've allowed us to look at some pictures and holy smokes, the light show just in the pictures looks absolutely stunning. You thought the light show in Cosmic Cart and Ranger in the Ruins was cool. This seems to just kind of step it up. Yeah, it's next level, seriously. I am blown away, honestly. How it's, many uh, lights are in that playfield? 900 individually addressable <laughs> RGB lights. 900. That seems nuts. Just a yeah, because we, we line every <laughs> shot. And we did that in Cosmic Kart Racing because the theme of Cosmic Kart Racing was kind of you're, you're racing through these color-lit tubes in outer space. Mm -hmm. It was kind of, kind of the concept. So we lined every ramp, every loop, basically every shot on the play field with strings of individually addressable LEDs so we could do really cool effects and show you which direction to shoot the, the, the loops and... Um, to do nice, neat things when you hit shots. But um, yeah, we're able to leverage those in completely different ways in this theme to create really immersive, really powerful and engaging lights to acknowledge when you do cool stuff. And also, we honestly picked the theme, Sorcerer's Apprentice, based on the fact that it revolves around magic and Magic is perfect for making really cool use of colors and creating really neat screen graphics because our lower playfield is a screen and making use of all those LEDs in the upper playfield. It all ties in together really well and it creates this really immersive magical environment. It's really neat. The pictures look awesome. I'm I like blown away, seriously. This might have been a later question, but you brought it up. How did you guys kind of come up with the theme? Like, was this a, a person had an idea and then you guys kind of all rallied around it? Or was it like a company decision? I mean, because that's, your explanation was a good idea, but mm -hmm. it had to come from somewhere. Yeah, it actually came out of us asking ourselves that same question. We knew we wanted another theme, a completely different game from Cosmic Kart Racing for that playfield. And that's because Cosmic Kart Racing is a lot of fun. It's got multiple ways to play it. You can do the online racing. You can do the career mode. You can do just individual racing. You can race on a local network. You can do all these cool things. But it's, it's never really been traditional 
pinball. Whereas we have Lexi Lightspeed, which is very much traditional pinball. We have Heist, which is an incredible game. I would call it a, a top five of all time game. And, and our, our feedback has kind of confirmed that everyone loves that game. It's traditional pinball. You're working through a traditional type of style of rules where you have modes or objectives and combos and all the things that build into what most people think of when they think of pinball. So the Cosmic Kart Racing Playfield had a unique set of rules that we did to try to expand beyond what traditional pinball was. But at the same time, um, we're selling these machines to people that are pinheads and that love traditional pinball. So we wanted to give them the option to play a traditional style of game on this really cool RGB-loaded, um, flowing, loopy um, play field. It's got really cool toys, magnets, the, the magnet locks on the ramps. It's got a lot of really neat things that tie in perfectly to the magic theme. So the way that came out was I simply asked the team what types of themes could we implement on this play field that would perfectly leverage the use of the features on the play field and the LCD screen. And the answer came very quickly. I think it was <laughs> the first 10 minutes of the discussion. We, someone threw out the word magic, and it was an instant aha moment for all of us. It's just a perfect fit. We haven't seen gameplay footage yet, but some of these pictures and um, the, the, I don't know if you'd call it the story, but what you wrote up for the article, it had mentioned a handful of different environments. And this yeah. reminded me of like Diablo 2, where you go to like the desert, then you go to the, I don't know, the jungle and then some other environment. And so that kind of brought me leading that way where it's like you're the sorceress and you're going around to these different environments. And that's, I think how you kind of explained it where you, you're using magic and, and fighting and you have, uh, you can explain it. There's like some unique features to this game that probably have never seen before in pinball. Yeah. So I, let's start at the beginning of the, of the, uh, the progression of development. Um, we, we decided the theme should be magic based so we could represent magical spells and the aura of magic with lights and cool graphics and um, cool particle effect type things in the graphical systems. And we didn't want to kind of piggyback off the word wizard because wizard is used everywhere word. in pinball. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and also we had a training game a long time ago that we proposed as a, uh, uh, as a, it was going to be a game that you could you could load onto your P3 and it would teach you how to do things. It would teach you how to aim. It would teach you how to um, trap and control the ball and hit shots and um, do all those things. So we took it to some shows. We beta tested it. It, it never quite hit the mark that where, where we were happy with it, so we kind of shelved it for a while. But um, we still have this thing in our development system it's it's in our uh, code libraries that's called wizard so we didn't want to come out with a new game that had the, basically the exact same game or the same name so we went down the sorcerer route and obviously a sorcerer and a wizard are essentially the same thing but we wanted to figure out how you as the player could interact with magic but not yourself already be this all-powerful being 
So we decided to make you the, the student. You're playing as the sorcerer's apprentice, and your goal in the game is basically to learn everything you can and become a master sorcerer. And if you succeed in that, you, uh, you get your name on a special high score table, and uh, you've proven that you can learn all the spells, you can use and do all the cool things that we're about to talk about, um, and, th and that's basically the story of the game. Um, how you get there is a ton of interesting details and a lot of rule depth and and um, new ideas that we implemented and developed to, to try to challenge the player, but stay within that realm of traditional pinball. Oh my God, Jerry! Does it does it have a wizard mode? <laughs> <laughs> it does it does have a wizard mode <laughs> but that wizard mode which is obviously a, a funny synonym for a finale um, is you battling that sorcerer and trying to to defeat him and prove to him that you are now the master sorcerer all right so we're gonna call it the sorcerer mode we're going <laughs> we're dropping the name wizard well you just dropped a lot of a lot of knowledge bombs where should we start should we just well okay real quick you know there is a, a Nicolas Cage film. So, like, are you guys big Nicolas Cage fans? Because there is a film that has the same name. It doesn't have the same name, Ryan. It has a very similar name. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're right. It's not exactly the same. It's similar. Yeah, no. The, I mean, the, the concept <laughs> Sorcerer's Apprentice, obviously, the, there was a movie called The Sorcerer's Apprentice. It's a, It's completely independent. We didn't... We didn't watch it. We didn't copy anything from it. We didn't take the characters. We didn't take the storyline. Any, any, what's the what's the <laughs> phrase that goes into a book? Any, any uh, Likeness similarities to real people or scripts? Yeah. Yes, were or entirely accidental. Uh, this is an entirely original game. Original characters. Original artwork. Original rule set. Original story. Everything about it is 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 uh, it came from our creative cycle all right well i guess I'll, I'll i'll ask the first question here i mean me being the the type of person that i am um what's the depth of the game look like right i mean you'd kind of touched on that but do you want to maybe go in on that a little bit deeper because i mean for me uh you know because i know you're one of the like one of our 10 fans that normally listens to our podcast <laughs> obviously and you never miss an episode never. Uh, Never. You know, I love deep games, so I'd really like to know uh, how, just how deep is this game? Yeah, so this is a mode-based game um, in the vein of uh, both Lexi and Heist are mode-based games. Lexi has six different modes. We call them scene modes, where it changes environments and you play through a different part of the story. Heist has a mode for each character. There are six characters, and then there are variations around those modes. This game has, I believe, it's 12 story modes. Uh, but basically, there's, there's four separate environments that you navigate through. So essentially, um, when you're not in a mode already, some of the shots are lit as navigational shots. And you can travel around the land. You can go to... You start in the workshop. You can travel to the oasis or the bazaar or the dunes. And in each of those environments, you can start a mode to learn spells. 
Each environment has a spell mode, and if you learn that spell, or learn spells from other environments, then there are combination spell modes that are enabled in each environment. So if you do all the math and the permutations of all that, there are four separate modes per, uh, no, it's three, what is it? Three or four. It's four separate modes per environment. So I was actually wrong. There's 16 different modes. Oh, oh my gosh. And, and then there's an additional kind of overarching multi-ball mode on top of that. Uh, one of each of those four modes per environment is also a multi-ball. So in total, there are five different multi-ball modes, and I guess that'd be 15 or 16 if you consider the, uh, what do we call it, the sorcerer mode at the end? Yes, <laughs> the sorcerer mode, yep. Because it's then, not the wizard mode. Not the wizard <laughs> mode. Is well, holy moly. Is, that... is my math working? No, that'd be 16, so 17 modes. Yep. And how many multi-balls? Five multi-balls. Yeah, dang. Each one of those modes, each one of those multi-balls has very different shot objectives. They're all tied into story elements, so you'll start a mode. If you have the fire spell learned and the lightning spell learned and you're in the dunes, there's a, a story crafted for you to use both of those spells to progress through a little sub-story. Um, so every little bit of it, everything you're doing in the game is based in some aspect of the story. Okay, so let me ask you this. Are you guys going to come out with and potentially even sell? Because here's an here's a opportunity for some additional uh, kind of stuff. Uh, a flow chart for Parnell so he can have <laughs> it up on the wall. So when he's playing this, I can point to him where he is in the flow chart and be like, you are here and this is what you need to do. <laughs> I, 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 I have a better idea for you. While he's playing, you can point to the backbox display and tell him on the virtual flowchart that you'll see on the backbox display Shut exactly your face. where he is while he's playing. There's going to be a flow like a like a full on map full on, full on area map is there. It it it, sh it shows you what environment you're in. It shows you what spells you have and and what what accomplishments you've uh, made during during the game oh my god that is super awesome this is a legit dynamic map that shows your progression through the entire game yeah it's more or less to show you how you navigate between environments because okay. the map it, it each environment you're in you can't get to all the other ones you have to go through a specific sequence Sure. It's kind of like you're walking through a house. You can only get to certain rooms from certain hallways and stuff. So there, there, there are, there's like a, a Y where you get to a decision point and you can go left or right. And then, uh, so that, the map just shows you where you are and how you get to the next environments. And then we leverage, of course, the power of the LCD by showing you all the other information you need to keep track of your progress throughout the game. Dang. That is so awesome. Well, you blew me away. I was kind of making like a joke because you know there's other pinballs that have like you know flow charts damn near venn diagrams uh <laughs> so to hear that it's going to be like actually implemented in the game is super duper cool well i feel pretty pretty proud of some of our rules meetings rules discussions i i personally as a player i'm not a super big fan of um so much depth that you need that that handbook to kind of show you where you are in a game or what you're progressing or what objectives you've done before or need to do to get to other stages in a game. I like a game to be 
generally pretty self-explanatory. Um, so our depth is a few levels deep, but then we expand the breadth of it to give you more variety and more interest and more things to do while you're playing. So there are aspects of this game that just require you to think in different ways to make one type of progress versus another, but you'll understand exactly how you're progressing through the game either way. And I know that's very uh, obscure. It's it's kind of cryptic way to describe things, and we can get into the details. But um, the point is, it's not it's not like 25 deep levels of complexity. It's more like there's 16 or 17 modes that you could do, and, and there's a pretty easy way to get to all of them. Well, pretty easy to get to if your name's Jerry. No. Not not Parnell. No. <laughs> See, this this style I've been waiting. I think ever since I got got into the P3, I've I've been kind of saying this was like it needs like these RPG like games, and I don't know how RPG-ish it is, but it's the perfect for this platform because I finally have a profile. And so to play Silver Falls, I've been <laughs> saving making save points throughout each room so I can actually beat the game. Yep. And so to be able to play this game and then do save points and treat it like a video game as an example of like being able to save or set it down, come back and pick it up is for me, it's a perfect thing for my lifestyle because with the little kids, but I am actually getting through a game. And now the cool thing is every time you boot the game up, you don't have to return or resume for where you left off. You can play it fresh again every, every time or pick it up or do a, t a co-op game? I'm assuming, does this have co-op team team play? This game leverages our P3 programming framework, and so by definition, yes, it does have that. All of our multiplayer games will have that same capability. And by multiplayer, do you just mean like you could potentially play one to four player at one That's time? right. Okay. That's right, yes. I think that's freaking awesome. That's mind-blowing because I, I, I don't know. Like no, no other game does this. Like, you can't just make a save and come back and pick up in a deep game. So if I'm six modes in, I can save it. Well, I have to be on, you know, ball two, but... <laughs> yeah, we've we've talked about a lot of the reasons we have profiles. That That's one cool thing you can do with them, which is make some progress, save the state, and then the next time you want to uh, coin up a game or hit the start button, you can start from where you left last left off. Um, another reason to save the state is if potentially you want to spend a, a playing cycle just trying to hit one objective. So you might stage up that objective by completing the modes or collecting the things that you need to get ready to do a, a specific battle or a specific showdown with a, a magical element or whatever. And then you might save it right then so that later you can come back and just, just play that battle over and over and over again and try to get good at it or something. Um, so th there are different ways to use profiles. Another way is to... Uh, um, change the difficulty settings because our profiles save your state based on the settings that you defined for that profile. So you can have one profile playing that has easy settings and you can player two in the same game can have can start with a profile that has different difficulty settings. So you and your kids can play against each other and each has different difficulty settings set up. So you can try to handicap yourself to play on parity with someone who's either lesser or, or more skilled than you. And speaking of that, I actually did that for my wife and kids' profiles. I put them on easy. Um, we haven't played too many family games 
I've just been playing a bunch. Um, You've been hogging it. Yeah, we, I mean, we usually play Barnyard, and I don't load up profiles for that. But um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it does change for Barnyard. I haven't tried it. Um, but if my wife and I do get like a a date night, then we can play it, and I'll have to see. I think I remember I was playing her account on Silver Falls, and it did feel easier. <laughs> there was a really tough day of silver fallsing and i had to use an easier profile to feel like i accomplished something <laughs> well so there's there's when you create a profile there's choosing some of the games have stock uh, default levels default mm -hmm. settings so yeah you can choose the easier hard level but you can also go into the manage profiles option um, in the attract mode, I think if you hit the flipper and start button, you can get into a manage profiles menu. And in there, you can actually go and tweak the settings individually to your liking. So then you can go decide which settings will be easier for one profile than another. Mm, yeah, you like um like game settings where like this this shot takes less or this. How does that work? Like y yeah, the operator settings. Yeah. So. The there are some operator settings in a game. The programmer has the option to decide which operator settings are applicable to profiles and which ones aren't. So the programmer might decide to let profiles, uh, I don't know, require fewer shots to a ramp to start a mode or to have longer or shorter ball save times at the beginning of a multi-ball or something. So those are the types of things usually you can tweak per profile. Yeah, I haven't done that yet, so... I keep forgetting to to dig in. The manuals and the videos that you guys have on your website are very handy. Good, good. Glad to hear that. Um, so back relative to Sorcerer's Apprentice and profiles, um, you can play this game and there's an easy path to get to the final battle, the Sorcerer mode. And there are longer, more arduous ways to get to the sorcerer battle. If you get there the easy way, then you're likely to be destroyed by the sorcerer. <laughs> but then you can go play the longer way and collect more objects and collect more power. I don't know what we should call them. Power-up items. And they help you in your battle. And they also, along the way, are teaching you how to better use your spells, how to better use the shield, which is also a spell, um, to protect yourself against attacks. And then when you go battle the sorcerer, you'll have a much better time of it. And you'll still probably lose because it's really hard. <laughs> if you want to be a master sorcerer, you need to be a master sorcerer. Do you think someone will speed, like, speed run, and if they're super good at pinball, that they would be able to beat the sorcerer? Uh, yes. The, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. If if you get really good at, and we're getting into some of the details which are unique to this game versus other pinball games, but it's it's relevant to the conversation. Um, this game has an inventory. You basically, in each environment, you can learn a spell. So you play a mode, and if you succeed in the learn spell mode, you learn a spell. A spell might be fire, it might be ice, it might be lightning, or it might be a shield. Um, but once these spells are in your inventory, the three offensive ones, fire, ice, and lightning, are in an inventory that you have to um, use secondary buttons on the machine, because we have three buttons on each side of the machine. Um, the red ones control your flippers like normal. Uh, the white ones 
navigate through your inventory. So you can choose which spell you have selected, and then when you're in a battle or when you're trying to progress through another mode, you have to have selected the correct spell to defeat the thing you're playing against. And if you have the wrong one, your shot has no effect. You might hit a ramp that's lit, but you have the wrong spell selected, so either nothing happens or the ramp might be protected by a magical power that attacks you back. So this game is learning all the normal things about pinball, ball control and aim and figuring out which shots are the correct ones to hit, but you also have to be using the secondary buttons to manage your selected spell. And if you don't do that, you will not progress. And that, like, your inventory then is on the fly? You can switch between stuff? Yep. Anytime you hit the white button, it goes to the next available spell that you have, yeah. Okay, cool. So it'll be one of those, if you're playing on the fly, you need to be quick, and otherwise you can, you know, slow it down, trap up, and plan out your, your shots then? You can do that, but if something's attacking you, you're not going <laughs> to want to stay there very long. Uh, oh, interesting. So then there's also the shield, and the shield spell, which is a defensive spell, is on the other buttons. So you're play, and, and it sounds a lot more complicated than it is. When you get used to the gameplay, it's it's pretty intuitive, and you'll get used to it very quickly. But so you're you're using the red buttons to flip the ball. Um, periodically, you'll want to select a different spell, and you'll know what to select because you'll see the shot markers, the uh, basically the inserts that are pointing to a shot. They'll be identifying the spell you need to use to hit them. So then you'll navigate with the white with the white buttons to the, the correct spell. And then if something's attacking you, you can periodically enable your shield if you've learned the shield. And you'll do that with the yellow buttons. And you want to be able to do all these things independently because something might be attacking you when you're also trying to flip a ball and hit a ramp shot or something. So it, it's, it forces you to think not just about ball control and hitting shots. It also forces you to understand what's happening in the scene, who's attacking you, and what spells are lit. Oh, man. Parnell, what he's really trying to say here, I'm going to give you the TLDR. Uh, you're going to suck at this game. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will the first 10 times they play it. And then once, once that light bulb goes off, once you, I don't know, develop the muscle memory or the dexterity to, to manipulate the spells while you're flipping, it becomes a, a really interesting and it adds to the depth of the game, but it becomes a really unique experience. It's really cool. I'm so excited. I will say um, on the heist, it defaulted to the white buttons, switching your inlane, like the donut, you know, on your yes. inlane. And, um, and at Ryan's house, it felt like I would always forget about it. It felt too hard. But uh -huh. now I'm so used to it. I do it on every game. Yeah, every you, re game. you reach for that button that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like, um, to your point, your, the first couple games are probably going to be a little um, uh, learning experience. But then after a while, like, I've never heard of a game like this. There's a game on, uh, it's a virtual game. I think it's called, like, Epic Quest or something, where it was like an RPG video game pinball. I don't okay. remember if it was Zen or the pinball effects, but they had an Epic Quest RPG game. And um, that had, I don't know how similar it is to this, but like you would, you know, attack and defend and then walk around. But 
Yep. I've never I've never seen a real one. You know, they have Dungeons and Dragons, but it's just a normal pinball. So this sounds uh, extremely fun and complicated, but easy. It, re- it sounds complicated. It's really not complicated once you get into it. But uh, talking talking about pinball and shots and stories is always, it sounds more <laughs> complicated than it is. Yeah. When, when you're playing, you see the blinking lights or you see yeah. the shot markers and you see the colors and everything's very intuitive. But there's also on-screen instructions. If you hit a shot with the wrong spell, it will tell you select the right spell. So it, it, it guides you through, like all our games do. Lexi, people tell us that Lexi is really intuitive to play because it tells you on the screen, we dynamically tell you, shoot for this thing now or shoot for this thing now. Heist does the same thing. Sorcerer's Apprentice does the same thing. I'm excited to see gameplay. Is I don't know if I'm, if I'm skipping ahead. Is there, is there a plan for gameplay? Yeah, so we have already arranged with uh, Kevin at Buffalo Billiards. He's going to be streaming it a week from today. Uh, I believe that's August 30th. Um, I'll be on stream with him to, to talk him through some stuff, and we'll, uh, that'll be the first public stream. Um, but in the meantime, anyone who wants to, as of today, the day we announce the game, you can go to the website. If you have a P3 in the Cosmic Kart Racing Playfield, you can purchase it you can request a download you can download the game and you install it and you'll be playing it just a few minutes so you're dropping it at release it will be available immediately i guess this podcast is playing it's already available you can you can jump onto the website it's it costs 499 dollars for under 500 dollars, you get a brand new playing experience a brand new deep wool set complex game for your machine um are you only going to make a certain amount of them (laughs) <laughs> the the computer might get tired of of co- copying the bits around <laughs> so it's, so what you're saying is, is it's not limited edition it is not limited edition it is uh, not unique if you pay more you'll get your you'll get the difference back um, we'll refund your money um, <laughs> we 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 are all about we've talked about it before we're about creating more value for you to leverage that initial big investment you put into your pinball machine. Um, we feel like we're, we've created this system, this platform that costs about the same as every other pinball machine out there, a little more than some, a lot less than others. And we're continuing to add content to it. We're continuing to add features to it. And games like this just make it, to give you an entirely new gaming experience without purchasing new hardware and almost instant gratification. Again, go to the website, purchase it. We'll enable it in your account. You can download and install it and play it immediately. I'm trying to buy it right now, <laughs> and it's it's not working. What's going on? I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to submit a bug. <laughs> Something about recording the podcast before before it's released. Uh... Okay, I got really excited. <laughs> We're not live Monday morning. Jeez, yeah, Jerry, get to work. God, hey man, I'm giving you the sneak peek. We're talking about the game before it's released. You're the you're the only guys out there that know what this game is before we're announced before we're releasing it. That's super awesome, and we're so happy, and um, we're we're so thankful that we get this opportunity too, because we joke about it all the time on the podcast. I mean, you know, because you listen to every episode. You know, we 
we talk about, uh, you know, how much we love the P3. So it's, it's very nice to have this opportunity, but, uh, can't thank you enough for that too. Well, there's one other really cool thing about this game. Um, and that's the fact that because everything's very original, because it's our own story, because it's not an existing movie, we didn't want to go hire, you know, a big name actor to do our voice call outs. So Ryan, do you have something to tell us? Uh, I'm the, uh, I'm You're the Nicholas sorcerer. Cage. I'm You're Nicholas Nick- Cage. <laughs> yep. You nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, I did the call-outs for this new game, which no, you is didn't. super... I did, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to sign Playfields now? Like, how's this going to work? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I will sign anything that someone sends me. Uh, we're going to have to get a P.O. box. Uh, but I'll sign anything that someone wants to send me. Uh, you know, I'll sign CCR Playfields right on top and Silver Sharpie. It'll, <laughs> it'll be great. <laughs> You we, hide our, we hide our signatures, Ryan, puts them right out front. <laughs> front and center. I'll even clear coat over it with some uh, Rust-Oleum clear coat. But yeah, modest Ryan, let's let's talk about this. You you reached out to me and said you'd be interested in helping on a future project on voice callouts or, or um, some kind of related task. And we had... It was really, it was perfect timing because we were just starting to look for a voice actor for the Sorcerer. And the Sorcerer is the only voice in this game besides a couple of quips from um, another character called a bandit. Uh, but the Sorcerer is nav- is uh, narrating you, the player, the apprentice, through the game. So his callouts are um, what you hear while you're playing. And, and we auditioned Ryan for the, the role we asked him to uh, challenge himself to get some dialect, to get a little bit of age in his voice, and uh, the results are really cool. I recall specifically uh, getting the opportunity to try out, and Jerry, I wish I could have been in the room the first time you guys like heard me try out, because I sent to the file, listeners, when I sent this file folder into them i think i literally had it uh worst tryout or uh uh-huh. like failed attempt number one or something like that and i sent it in because i was like uh you know i don't know i i you know I, I don't know if i have what it takes but i definitely wanted to give it a shot and and you know put my best foot forward because uh, i've tried doing voice acting in the past and it always seemed like i got beat out so that's why immediately i was like all right well uh, here's my failed attempt at number one <laughs> a man full of confidence <laughs> absolutely <Tanner>. yep <laughs> but uh i i know i sent it in and i think you you messaged me back and you're like yeah i'll get to it by the end of like next week or something i'll let you know and i was just like immediately i was like super sad and nervous and then i ended up hearing back from you later in the day and you're you do you remember what you said because i have a pretty good memory of of what you had said well crap now if i tell you it'll be completely wrong i think i probably said it sounds pretty good but it's too young yep yep but you were like honestly surprised by how well i had done and that was more or less exactly your words. You're like, well, we should frame that though, because what did, what did we ask you to sound like? Uh, 
so you initially asked me to have an accent. And so I actually spent like the better part of like three or four weeks listening to like accents I could find on YouTube of people talking to try to get an idea of like how to add an accent to it. Yeah, we can talk about it specifically. It's a it's a it's a Persian based game. It's a Persian sorcerer. So we asked you to sound like you're Persian. Yeah, a Persian powerful deep sorcerer. Yeah, think 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 uh Gandalf but Persian. Yep. Yeah, and then uh I think I sounded like a you know, by the end of it I sounded like a slightly younger Persian Gandalf. I had a a decent Persian accent I think kind of hammered down. But then we ended up kind of figuring out that uh with my voice uh i wasn't able to like have the super persian accent and the tone that we were looking for so well here's the interesting part of that though we went out and we talked to some uh talent agents and we told them what we needed we needed a basically a persian voice actor someone who could who could deliver that dialect and they found actual uh Iranians and Iraqis and um, Saudi Arabian voice actors who delivered these call outs, these samples. We sent them a list of, of phrases to, to say. And they all, their Persian was real. And the first time all of them sent, I listened to every one of them. And no joke, I thought they were translating the English into their native language because I couldn't understand what they were saying. But when I listened to it two or three times, it's just that their accents were so thick, I couldn't really connect it with what I think of when I'm listening to English. So we didn't want realistic Persian. We needed an American's take on a Persian accent. And the if it's too over the top, then it's just unintelligible for us straight-laced Americans who want to hear uh, words that we recognize while we're playing. Yeah. So in that sense, it worked out really well. It did. It did. I, uh, yeah, it's been quite the fun experience because, I mean, I think, what was it, ultimately, and was it, I think, 300 lines? I actually don't know. I would have to run a script or look at a spreadsheet and see exactly how many. But yeah, it was a few hundred lines for sure. Yeah, I think it was 300 because I sent over 297 and then I was a dope and missed three okay. that you had messaged me about. Uh, so yeah, it was 300 on the nose lines. And uh, yeah, it was like probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. Uh, so it was extremely rewarding to kind of get to like hear the progress in uh, my voice and how it was like, I got, you know, snippets of it being like implemented and uh, you know, it was definitely really cool to be able to see that. Yeah. And it was fun to, to 
fun. It was it was a progressively more fun experience because when we first dropped in your initial samples, um, as we said, it, it was sounded, not fun. It, 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 <laughs> it wasn't. You know, it's amazing in pinball. You could play, and we do this all the time when we start developing a new game. We'll play a Whitewood of a game, and it doesn't have sound effects. It doesn't have voice call-outs. It doesn't have music. It's just a ball rolling around a piece of wood, and it can be the best layout in the world. It can be amazingly flowy and cool, connective shots, and the experience would just be completely stale. It, it won't be fun at all. You won't even be able to see how it could be fun. But then you start adding rules. Now you're giving a reason to shoot certain things. And then you start adding some background music. And then you start adding sound effects. And then you top it off with these instructive and exclamatory and th these uh, exciting voice call-outs. And this little white pinball play field uh, turns into this really magical, immersive experience. And... I, I say all that because when we first dropped your voices in, they sounded too young. They didn't match the character, and it kind of had the opposite effect that it needed to. You play the game, you expect this this super powerful sorcerer to be telling you um, how to get better, to learn spells, or to be exclaiming wildly when you hit jackpots and stuff, and it just didn't match what I had in my head, so it felt really weird. The experiences, I mean, you've played pinball games that had voices that you just didn't think matched. And I mean, I've seen people post about it all the time on the forums. They're like, this game just doesn't feel right because the voice is wrong. Well, the first couple of times the voice was wrong, <laughs> but, but we iterated. You were super willing to help one at one. I mean, you were more, more willing to iterate and help us through the process than any voice actor I've ever worked with before which is amazing. So we came back to you two or three times, asked you to re-record, and uh, the end result is really neat. It's really cool, and it delivers that feeling that we were looking for, which is fantastic. Yes, it does. Uh, can confirm, spent a lot of hours re-recording, <laughs> uh, but absolutely a blast. And uh, I'm just so tickled pink that uh, in the end, it all ended up working out and sounding the way it want you you we're hoping and wanting it to sound like, cause, uh, I can tell listeners, uh, I can tell you guys right now, I do not sound like this in the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not like I'm like this, this is Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it was super cool. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I can mention this now, but I did get to play it a little bit. Um, beforehand and uh with like the initial call out you're absolutely right they didn't feel right but it was still really awesome and kick-ass to hear my uh not perfect attempts uh <laughs> implemented into the game and and actually like hear my voice that i had spent time editing and cleaning up uh being played on that like pinball machine like that was i mean like that's a moment that I don't think I'll ever forget for the rest of my life. Uh, that, and, that was super cool. And now you have like a full-fledged sound recording studio in your house, right? <laughs> I do, yeah. So that's, I guess, another quick thing we can go over is like, so when I initially had reached out to Jerry, Oh, you're right. That was the first response. Oh, yeah. So the first thing they did actually uh, was they're like, hey, so actually kind of impressed. Uh, you sound pretty good. 
your voice does. They're like, but the audio quality is absolute shite. Uh, <laughs> so they're like, you're going to need to make some changes to that. So I went out and bought 150 of the foam square pads and I like threw them. I mean, this, my computer room's ruined uh, for anything else other than sound work at this point. But that should mean that I have a nice crystal clear audio coming through for our listeners. So you're welcome. Uh, I invested a little bit more. But then I also had to get like a shower curtain and uh, like a, uh, uh, it's not a straight shower curtain. It's one of the curved shower curtains. And I actually hung a uh, fleece, a thick fleece blanket, king size blanket up on the shower curtain rod that I put behind me when I'm recording. So, uh, and that was a recommendation by Scott Denisi, uh, to try to clear up my audio and I, that totally did the trick and I, I've got a new microphone. I mean, it's been a, it's been a process, <laughs> but we did eventually get there. Uh, and like I said, it was a ton of fun, um, kind of working through it, even if it meant I had to go back and, and do things a few extra times. Like, well, welcome, very, very to, welcome to development. Uh, yeah. we, we, I, I mentioned, I think early on that the first commit that's a, a word that we use in software development the first time we checked in code to our repository for this game was december i'm sorry september uh, 6th or 8th of 2020 so we've been working on this game for almost a year and that's developing rules developing code iterating on the look and feel and the gameplay um, the the few weeks you spend on voices is a uh, your your first um, should we say introduction into pinball development, but um, every every aspect of game development is is crazy detailed, requires crazy numbers of iteration and dedication from all the developers. So um, hopefully the point is the point people are hearing is that um, respect the amount of work that pinball developers put into their efforts because it is not a little thing that you go conceive a game and. Parnell, you're going to learn this very quickly when you jump into P3 game development. But you, you can create a very basic thing very quickly, but to make it polished and pretty and sound good and play well and have cool light shows takes a very long time, a ton of hours by a lot of people. Oh, oh, I bet. You're welcome. The thought of making a game sounds like all joyous and, and then you get into it and you're like, holy moly, this is going to be some work. Yeah, but to be clear, I'm talking about a full deep set kind of traditional style game to do what we call a mini game, which is taking a, a mm. fun little concept like shoot and scoot and working a, a character left and right on a on an up scrolling kind of scene. That's that's obviously much quicker development. But to do a full deep rule set game is not something that one person does in their spare time. It's a team of people working full time for months and months and months and months. Oh yeah, God, it could take couple years for another company to make a game or i mean even if you think about video games i mean that can take years and years yeah video games is a combination of obviously whatever logic used to implement the game but then they just pour millions of dollars and people teams after team of dozens of animators and graphic people working to make that super high quality stuff um video games it it it's it's interesting for me because people see the big LCD on our play field and they say, why don't, why don't your games look like, I don't know, Call of Duty or pick your favorite 
video game. And it's because those studios, I have a friend of mine who just started a game studio. He raised $30 million to create his first game oh. <laughs> because they have to hire 40, 50, 60, 70 skilled graphic people, illustrators, animators, programmers to deliver that kind of experience. Uh, pinball companies have what? Three, four, five, six, maybe 10 people working on one game. And most of those are playfield designers and the audio people and some video people, a programmer or two, um, mechanical engineer, production planners and managers and all that stuff. But um, we don't have the budgets or the sizes of development teams to create that movie-like experience for a very long game. But what we are able to do is really cool stuff that presents itself in a traditional style pinball game or very different types of, of styles of pinball games on the same platform, which we're, we're super excited and proud of. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, to, to echo that, you know, statement you just made, I, I can tell you that when I thought I was doing voice acting, it might've been like maybe one attempt, you know, we got it dialed in and we're like, all right, you know, here we go. And <laughs> a few attempts later, I was like, okay, yep. But uh, yeah, it, those iterations are super important because you're just continuing to polish like an idea that you had and uh, being able to be a part of that. I, I can really attest to like, what you think sounds good at the time does not inherently mean that it sounds good at the end. Um, you know, and when we recorded the first time, you know, Jerry was on with me coaching me and we were like, yeah, you know, this, this sounds good. You know, and then we implemented the game. We were like, okay, need to go back to the drawing board. Like not quite, you know, I, but I, 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 Parnell, I think he just, I think he just shifted the blame to me. <laughs> no, he's good. No, <laughs> he's going to be great when he's married. <laughs> that was totally my fault. Uh, I'm not shifting the blame because that could potentially reduce my uh, future endeavors with multimorphic. And I, I don't want that to happen. So, no, it was my fault. Uh, but we both at the time, I guess I'm just trying to say, like we at the time of recording, we thought that they sounded good. Yeah. And. Right. Once we implemented them into the game, we quickly realized, nope, nope, still a ways off from from uh, you know final cut here. But yeah, because um, what because yeah. when you're recording in a voice studio, you're not usually watching the graphics on the screen, or you're not hearing the power of the sound effects, or all those things that the voice has to um, interact smoothly with and we we what we thought sounded good in the studio just didn't work well with the rest of the game so again to your credit you were perfectly willing to go back and re-record everything and again the end result is great yeah i'm i'm super excited lots of teamwork lots of redos teamwork makes the dream work yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well Let's go ahead and get on to this license game. So what can you tell <laughs> License game TBD coming sometime in the future. Perfect. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I had, to, I had to make the joke because you're like, all right, well, we're done with Sorcerer's Apprentice. And I'm like, all right, cool. So uh... <laughs> don't put me on the spot, Parnell. 
I'm oh, that was all Ryan. I was just going to say, if we're done with that game, let's talk about the other new stuff that Multimorphic just released. Let's do that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, go for it. There was a couple couple news new new news things that you dropped. Yeah. So not too long ago. So when we when we announced Heist, when we started shipping Heist, we um, upgraded a couple of our existing games, Rocks and Barnyard, which previously worked on all existing P3 playfields. And we updated those to work with the Heist playfield. But we had some issues due to the complexity of the Heist launch mechanisms. It's There's really cool ways that the balls um, get staged into different positions to launch out of unique buildings in the Heist environment that... Uh, weren't 100% reliable with Rocks and Barnyard. So we were planning to update those games to obviously resolve those issues. But at the same time, our good friend Scott Denisi got a P3 and got really into the Rocks game and was like, hey, what if, if I were to write new music for Rocks, would you put it in the game? <laughs> and, and our answer is exactly what you're thinking which was, uh, duh. Yeah, that's uh, literally. <laughs> I didn't realize he even offered. That's awesome. Yeah, so Scott created music for the game Rocks. It's a song that he's very imaginatively labeled Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's downloadable on his, on his new album. You can, you can go hear it. Yeah, a to. system of parts. A quick okay. shout out for him. Yep. Thank you. I'll link that in the show notes. And yeah, so very recent, I think it was a week or two ago, we released the the updates for Barnyard and Rocks. Rocks has a few additional feature updates, like a new uh, high score table for which wave you get to, and it's got this new audio. It actually allows you to select the old audio, the new audio, or both. So if you want it to randomly select at startup, you can... You can set it up to that to work that way too. But uh, Barnyard is just a, really it's just a maintenance release to address the the launch issues that it had. Well, now I know Kevin uh, listens to our podcast over at Buffalo Pinball, and uh, I know he's chomping at the bit to to know uh, when are we getting the Scott Denisi remixed Barnyard music because <laughs> I know that's what he's all about. <laughs> oh geez, Barnyard Scott Denisi, do they mix? I don't know. They will soon enough. It's just going to be a <laughs> techno, like animal sounds. I can't wait with like a, a fat bass beat. <laughs> I would not, I, I would not, I would not uh, doubt that Scott's up for, for that or any kind of challenge when it comes to audio and music. Yeah. I'm, I might just have to uh, try to talk him into it, you know, cause he occasionally listens to, so I'm sure he's going to message me about it. Uh, but uh, I'll have to bother him about it and be like, hey, you should make a barnyard soundtrack or barnyard music for it, please. <laughs> what's, what's been really fun related to barnyard is I've been watching the P3 Discord channel, which, <laughs> by, the, by the way, is a fantastic place to, to jump on there and talk to P3 owners or P3 uh, fans, people that are just interested in the games and the platform. And there's a development channel and game channels and general channels where everyone's talking. It's, it's super positive. There's a lot of really good discussions about what's happening in, in our world. Um, there's, there's like this informal contest with people trying to one-up each other in their, in their barnyard scores. It's, it's really entertaining to watch. 
I mean, the barnyard is the is the secret system seller, if we're being honest, you know, with you, Jerry, because I mean, everybody wants to get in on some barnyard fun and try to beat uh, the high scores of barnyard. Cause... You know what? Everyone jokes about <laughs> barnyard because it sounds and is a silly game, but it's addicting. It's addicting and it's really fun to play. Do you know what I love when I'm playing barnyard is that. When the sun's going down and the screen is almost black, but I make that last shot and then the ball's <laughs> bouncing and it's still picking up animals. I'm like, yes, let that score keep rolling. <laughs> it, it, says, it says you're done, but it keeps incrementing yep. the score. Yeah, that's what I love. Well, I loved Ex- how Parnell was like talking to me and he's like, man, you know, when I'm playing Barnyard, I, there's, you know, the, some of the shots, you know, if I shoot them, they don't return well. You know, they take a long time. I'm like, well, don't shoot that shot then. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. People email me and they say, I think you need to change Barnyard because when I shoot the spaceship in Lexi, it takes a while for the ball to rotate up and around and get back to me. Okay, well, I sent that. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, it was you. That was, that was a real deal. Well, okay, it's because the spaceship can either have a hole where it just gobbles it or the spaceship catches it and then rotates the ball up to the top and lets it out. And I was like, uh-huh. Hey, it'd be cool. You know, <laughs> you know, it would be cool. And I, and, and I told you exactly how to configure your game to allow it to do that. Yeah. But, don't shoot that shot. <laughs> but that's, that's the ultimate point. Once you discover that a particular shot doesn't give you the ball back, then a, a strategic player would stop shooting that shot. Yeah. Well, and that's what I ultimately ended up doing. I know you did give me an actual, like, legitimate uh, way to to go through, uh, you know, preventing that happening. But your comment of, we'll stop shooting that shot was, like, gold, essentially, when you sent it to me. And I was like, you know what? This man makes a lot of sense. I like hey, doctor, this. it hurts when I hit my knee with a hammer. <laughs> well, don't hit your knee with a hammer. But also, here's a rubber mallet, so it doesn't hurt as bad. (laughs) People email me all the time when they either get the P3 for the first time or they get a new game or they play it at a show. And the first thing they say generally is, it would be great if, because I just played it and I was having a lot of fun and then I drained and my game was over. It would be really great if you had a ball save that lasted forever. Or it'd be really great if you only needed one shot to defeat the bad guy. And I understand, obviously I'm exaggerating what the request is, but I understand that they were enjoying the game so much that they were disappointed when the bad thing happened, they drained or the thing timed out and they weren't able to complete an objective. So the first reaction is often, let's make the game easier rather than, let me play it more and practice more and get better at it, which I find I find it fascinating from a psychological perspective. Well, and the other thing, though, too, is, um, you know, you can also go in and adjust some of those settings, too, when you actually own the P3 game. So, like, some of that could even be remedied uh, in kind of the profiles that you had mentioned earlier or just going in and setting it, you know, across the board, going in and potentially making some of those adjustments. Yeah, and that's a really good point because ultimately when we create a game and cre- create the default settings for that game, 
we have to try our best to make it fun for beginners and also fun for really experienced players. So if we if we make it super easy for beginners, then your pinball expert players are going to walk up and they're going to hate it because they're going to basically never drain or they're going to play it for hours and um, games lose their appeal when you can play it for that long. So there's a really delicate balance there and we do try to create settings and options for people to tailor things to their skill levels but it's it's tough no it, it you're, you're absolutely right i mean i think scott denisi even said that as well like you can make a harder game easy but you can't make an easy game harder you can only ask the player to do more in the easy game so like even just creating the layout and shots i mean is difficult and then having rules on top of that you know so a lot of uh, unsung heroes uh, in, in pinball in general, and especially on, on your team, uh, for being able to kind of find the balance to both of those. Because, I mean, obviously Parnell struggles at anything unless it's on the easiest mode on his wife's hey. account making save states. But for everyone else, I think, <laughs> Brutal. I, think Brutal. It's, uh, I think it's really awesome that we, uh, you know, actual good pinball players <laughs> uh, are able to generally walk up to a P3 game and like it, it is that right balance. Uh, Cause I mean, I've had a lot of people over at my house playing mine uh, since I got mine and uh, no one has complained or left feedback from me that uh, anything felt too short. So it's interesting to hear that people, uh, send you a lot of feedback about that because I haven't gotten any of that feedback, but I also do have, you know, for the most part, 95% of the people playing the P3 are like actual pinball aficionados. <laughs> well, and if they're coming over to your house and playing it on your machine with you standing there, then you're probably having a dialogue about those things. But the, the first time someone opens their new inbox machine and installs it, then um, they have reactions. They have their opinions about what they're playing. And sometimes those are uh, developed before they've had an experience or before they've had the time to dig real deeply into the rules or um, get better at it or whatever. I just, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting yeah. because we're, we're accessible and you can just reach out and talk to me. You can email me or, or message me or call me or whatever. But back in the day when I would open a new inbox uh, Williams game, you weren't calling up Williams and saying change the rules. The the, the internet wasn't <laughs> wasn't the same or wasn't even there yet. And <laughs> the developers weren't accessible, so you just accepted the rules for what they were. You liked them or you didn't. You might go into the operator settings and change some stuff. But um, now it's 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 a good and a bad thing that we can we can painstakingly analyze the implementation of every game uh, for good or bad. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Do you think people reach out and make those requests because they they feel like it's with the screen there? It's like, oh, it's a video game. Can you just make this change quick? Or I don't know. I think everyone has really good intentions. They're trying to be constructive. Here's what I felt when I played this game and hit this shot or had this mode timeout. And here's if you changed it this way it would be more fun for me and I suspect it would be more fun for 
other people who have similar playing styles or opinions as I do. So that they think they're being constructive. Um, and oftentimes they're right, and other times we've considered those things and we've also considered the ramifications of what that will do to, I don't know, change the, the way modes interact with each other or, or make the game too easy or too hard or whatever. But um, it's fun to dialogue about it. And sometimes we make the changes, sometimes we don't. And oftentimes people will ask for stuff, we'll implement them, and then they'll say, yeah, maybe I wasn't right. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I was wrong. But we get that all the time at shows. We'll... Uh, Back in the early days when the P3 was just kind of in its infancy and we we weren't, uh, we didn't have everything really well defined. It was kind of a, a platform that was gaining its traction. Uh, people would come up all the time and tell us, here's what you need to do. This is the thing it's missing. If you go and implement this one thing, uh, and we would come back to a show later that year and say, here it is. We implemented it. And they'd be like, uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't a hit. <laughs> that wasn't the thing that... Um, turned the corner or gave me the impression they realized they were wrong or or there's more to it. Um, what I was saying earlier about there has to be the sound effects and the callouts and the music and the rules and the playfield layout and the artwork, they all have to work together perfectly or else you feel like something is wrong about the experience. Well, um, that's true of everything. People give us feedback and the one thing they're changing might throw everything else out of balance. Um, but you don't see that until you implement it or you've thought about it for so long and considered all the angles of everything that uh, you, you, before you understand really the impact that change will have. So, uh, yeah, you never know. But it's, it's always good to hear people's feedback. I suppose, too, though, is that when you take it to shows, you're there where someone like a different company might have a distributor take it. So they're not having people give feedback right to the company, but you guys bring your game or did bring your games there to the shows from years ago. So you're there being the devs and yeah, it, I mean, either way, if, if somebody takes a machine to a show on our behalf, whether it's a customer or a distributor, or whoever, ho hopefully they're feeding some of the f feedback to us. That's kind of why we ask them to help us by taking games to shows um, and oh, by the way, we've always had a, a, a an outstanding, uh, a long-standing deal where if if a customer takes a machine to a show, they're basically helping us out by doing that, and we we reward them with some store credit to to thank them for taking the machine to a show, and basically to give them some some financial reward for the wear and tear and effort they've put into taking it. So um, we really appreciate that, but. Hopefully along the way, they're, they're sending the feedback they get to us, and we're all trying to make the product better, better together. Yeah. I mean, I'll be, I'll be doing that at 2DCon. Exciting. Know. That's coming up. It is, yeah. I'll have, uh, I'll have all the feedback, you know, as I'm autographing, because I'm sure I'm thinking $5 for an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, we, have to, we have to pay people to take our autograph. Ryan's already <laughs> charging for his. So here's the challenge, Ryan, when you take a P3 to a show. Um, it's not like taking a single-themed machine to a pinball show, setting it up, and knowing that everyone who walks by that machine is going to experience exactly what the designers had in mind for people to experience. Because people will walk up to a P3 at a show, you'll have a play field installed, you'll have a game selected, 
and they'll walk up and play that version of the P3. And then they may talk to you for a little while about it, or they might not, and then they'll walk away, and they might never come back to it again. So they might play, I don't know, Sorcerer's Apprentice or Heist or whatever game you have installed. Maybe it's Barnyard. Maybe they walk up and play Barnyard and think the P3 is a Barnyard. Because they walk away and they never play it again. So taking a P3 to a show presents its own challenges because um, there's no way to show everyone who walks up to it the breadth of games that work on it, the variety of play fields that you can put into it, and the, the openness of the platform, the extensibility of the feature set, the fact that it does online play and has profiles. and um, What are we up to? 12 or 13 games that exist on it, four play fields. So it's, it's, it's not just taking a machine to a show. There is some challenge in communicating what's cool about it. And you, of course, you don't have to do any of that. But if you want to give people the full story of the P3, then you're doing what we were doing, which is literally talking to every person who walks up to that machine to explain it to them. I mean, that's probably what's going to happen when I'm there. I'm, I'm bringing all my Playfield modules. Uh, I think... Officially, we're going to kind of have like a schedule where each part of each day, I'll go and swap out one game for the other, but I'll have the other play fields uh, in an area uh, that's close by to where if I need to, you know, if someone wants to play a different game that they got to play earlier again or whatever. But the idea is, is to kind of have the different play fields in at different times of day. So that way everyone should theoretically have the opportunity to play everything and Obviously, the one piece of feedback I know I'm going to get immediately uh, when people play Sorcerer's Apprentice is, wow, the voice acting's great in this. <laughs> that sorcerer has yeah. really deep and powerful Persian guy. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to mute it or just not get the CCR the good news or bad news, depending on your perspective, is it, like Ryan said earlier, it doesn't sound like him. <laughs> That's the best news, really. It doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> so not not only did we um, ask Ryan to sound unlike himself, we also put some filters on it to add some magical sounding effects to it to make it sound really, uh, really like it fits into this magical environment. So... It it doesn't sound like Ryan. It does sound like this amazingly powerful sorcerer guy that it should. It's because I am. <laughs> I'm leading a double life. So so full. Yeah, I know it. I know it. But that's exciting. Uh, I'm I'm super pumped to see the gameplay because like uh, Jerry shared pictures, but it's like the playfield only. So I'm excited to see the back box and how you actually go through the game. Because I think there's, I don't know if you mentioned it, but there's also a health bar too, right? Oh, yeah. There's a whole other aspect of gameplay that you have to manage. Yeah, so like any type of battle game that you would play on a, on a video console or something, there's an aspect of your own health. And in this game when bad things happen to you, your health goes down. When something or someone attacks you, your health goes down. When you tilt the ball, your health goes down. There are no tilt warnings. 
Instead, you lose a percentage of your health oh, that's because it damages you when you move the machine. You, you hurt yourself so you could hopefully save the ball from an outlane or something. Um, and when your health gets to zero, the flippers go dead and that ball drains. So in a three-ball game, you have the option to have your health go down to zero three times. Um, and there is... So I know a lot of people question us on some of our other games. There is a concept of extra ball in this game. Um, there is also in Lexi. There is not in Heist. Um, there might be one day. But this ball does have extra, or this game does have extra balls, which is cool. So you can get resurrected by collecting certain awards throughout the game. And then there's a concept of recovering your health. So you can, you can get damaged and you can also gain your health back which is cool, especially relative to the tilt stuff, where you can basically have unlimited tilt warnings if you're able to replenish your health just as often as you get hurt. Mm. See, I'm going to call that right now. I think that needs to be uh, maybe not exponential, but it needs to be like a multiplying. So it gets to a point where, you know, if you've done it like four or five times in a row, like, or maybe that could be an option that's implemented. You see, this cool. is this is what happens, Parnell. People people hear you describe something and they already <laughs> tell you it's wrong. It's wrong. It won't work. I don't like it. And then they play it and they're like, "Okay, you were right." Ryan, such a good idea. It was it was really well. <laughs> yeah, how, okay. happen? how well, about you play you know. the final game first, and then uh, we'll do a review. Well, I'm gonna do it as soon as this is over because it's Monday and. I'm going to play right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> I will look forward to your Discord channel talk about how long you were able to keep that ball going by nudging violently <laughs> and <laughs> and rebuilding your health bar. <laughs> well, uh, now, I do have another question. I know we kind of moved past or moved on from it and then circled back. Um, I, I do want to ask this, though, uh, because you kind of worded something the right way to where it made me think about it. Is there a possibility that multiplayer could be enabled for this machine? This game does not currently have network connectivity features. Yeah. Okay, yep. Um, I don't know if it will or not. We, we want some of our games to be networked and head to head capable like Cosmic Art Racing, like the game Heads Up that sure. uh, we're hoping to release one day. We have other games um, that we hope to allow, uh, that are designed to allow people to play online against each other. Shoot and Scoot is one of them. Uh, okay. Shoot and Scoot is actually designed to allow you to connect 16 different people together and basically race to the end of the, the level. The game's online? Uh, it's not yet, oh. but it's, de it's designed to support those features. You scared me, Jerry. I was like, we have like update the, the Friday CCR. Where's this shoot and scoot? We need to start having tournaments. Yep. One day that will be ready. Uh, Sources Apprentice was designed to be a traditional style uh, one, two, three, four player game where you're all in the machine and you're taking turns and you're doing that thing. Maybe one day all of our games have an aspect where you can connect together and you can shoot certain objectives or whatever. But no, this this game was not designed to be a head-to-head -head online game. 
Okay. I mean, that makes sense. I was just curious because, like, you know, like battling someone right over the internet sort of sounded like potentially cool. Yeah. So when I talked about how many people and hours and things go into a game, mm-hmm. um, it's easy to talk about, yeah, it'd be cool if we could jump online and this feature would uh, work together with somebody else. But in order to make that work seamlessly and to make sure that um, you deal with network latencies in a good way, where if somebody's internet connection is slow, it doesn't really impact the play negatively and all that stuff. You have to design the game around network play. Um, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Here I so, am again, coming up with another <laughs> golden idea immediately, you know, as you're telling me, uh, you know, about the game. I'm like, hey, you know, you could also add this. That's, that'd be really cool. <laughs> and it would be cool. You're absolutely right. The, the point I'm simply making is that you can add another month or two or three of man hours um, to implement network features in a way that, that work well with the construct of a game. And sometimes that makes sense because you want to market the game as a head-to-head game or online-capable game, and other times you just want to build a fun playing traditional style game. And that that's makes what sense. this one is. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you can easily throw together a game you know, that was not built around head-to-head, but it's not going to play well unless you put the time and effort in. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, believe it or not, we do put a little bit of thought into this stuff. I could occasionally. believe it. Occasionally. <laughs> Are you going to be selling art pieces like um, the slingshot plastics or I don't know what you call the upper side plastics? Yeah, good question. Um, we want this game to be a fully immersive experience under the glass. We don't currently plan on uh, doing new outer cabinet magnets for Sorcerer's Apprentice, but we do already have an apron design so you can uh, get our apron magnet and replace the, it just sticks onto the metal apron below the play field. Um, We don't currently have the side targets and slingshots um, themed to Sorcerer's Apprentice, but we do plan on having that, so that'll be a a little cheap add-on you can, a little inexpensive add-on that you can add to your game um, sometime in the future. Oh, sweet. Uh, where was it? I was going to say, should we go over the team that worked on it? Yeah, let's do that. While half of the team was working on Heist, um, because after announcing or releasing the original version of Heist, we jumped into developing what we call the big final heist, which is the equivalent of a sorcerer mode. Or a finale. <laughs> uh, the, the big, the, the big final heist in heist is basically a second, an entire second game. You work through modes to collect your characters. That's um, the original set of rules we released, and then we updated that code. Uh, what was it? Four or five months ago, with an update that enabled this finale, this big final heist. But every character has a role in this big final heist, and there's a an enormous, awesomely cool. 15 ball multi ball at the end of it. It was a whole development cycle for the entire heist team. So while they were working on that throughout most of 2020, uh, a few other guys and I conceived and developed this game, Sorcerer's Apprentice. 
Um, so it was conceived by Rory Cernuda, who's our game graphic artist, um, extraordinaire expert guy. Um, he does a lot of work in Unity and helps create graphics and animations. And um, he did all of the screen work for this game. And the screen work for this game is absolutely amazing. Um, he worked closely with Greg Goldie, who did a lot of the software for Heist, but Greg also did all of the software for this game. Um, he implemented the rules. The three of us kind of conceived the rules, came up with them, discussed them, iterated on them, changed them. Greg implemented the rules, and I did the light show work. So um, I did a lot of the P3 framework development. I wrote kind of the underlying libraries with the help of a couple other guys, BJ Wilson and uh, Michael Ocean, Jimmy Lippum, some other guys. Um, but I'm the most familiar on the team with programming light shows on the P3. So I did all the light show work. And then, of course, we worked with Ryan on the voice callouts. We worked with uh, the same artist who did our heads up artwork, which is uh, it turned out really well. We did some special heads up artwork for the machines we took to Dave and Buster's a couple years ago. But he did the illustrations for this game, the back glass showing the sorcerer and the environment. He did the apron work and um, he created the characters for us. And it's all really fantastic work. And hopefully y'all get to see it and enjoy it. Check out the screen work, check out the light shows, check out the illustrations and um, obviously check out the really impressive voice work in this game because that that's really what takes it over the top. It's amazing stuff. But yeah, so a team of five people put this game together. It took about, like I said, about 11 months of development time. And uh, it really is a full, deep rule set add-on game for the P3. This is super exciting because this is the first one that you guys have done where it's like a full, um, like, re-theme, like you'd kind of mentioned earlier. Yeah, um, we like to call the other games mini-games because it's usually taking a, a kind of small idea and implementing it into its own self contained package a game um, but no this one is like literally if you didn't have the cosmic kart racing software you could buy the cosmic kart racing playfield and this sorcerer's apprentice software and you would feel like it's a complete package because it is that deep of a game and and the light shows seriously people the light shows in this game are i mean they're they're incredible Real talk, you you knocked it out of the park, Jerry. Like, Thank not you. to stroke your ego, but uh, you absolutely <laughs> did a stellar job uh, with those nine hundred, you know, addressable LEDs that you had to work with. Well, there are light shows have become a really big thing in the industry. There's a lot of cool games with a lot of really cool light shows. Uh, Scott Denisi's work on a couple of his games, TNA and um, Rick and Morty, were are both standout light show games. So I, I obviously Scott and I are good friends and he's helped us on a couple things. He's working on our new game with us. And uh, it's kind of a personal challenge to create light shows that are just as good, if not better than his. So um, we'll see what people think, but I'm pretty proud of him. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, the other, I guess, kind of nice thing about that is, uh, I mean, they're all rocking, uh, multimorphic boards too you know the p-rock boards right so that's 
Yep, Scott was one of the early adopters of our of our boards. He started back in, I think we looked it up the other day. It was 2011. He bought a P Rock and stuck it in a. Was it Earthshake? Actually, he started before that. He put it in a Judge Dread and oh, yeah. worked on that for a while. Then he put it in Earthshaker, and then after that, I think he worked on TNA. That's a long yep, time we, ago. Like time, time flies. Yeah. Yeah, it's been 10 years. Scott Jeez. and I have known each other for 10 years, all working on pinball together. That's awesome. Well, I'm super-duper excited for the game to, to launch and come out and to, to be able to play it every day. Hey, Ryan, it launched. It's out. <laughs> That's you, right. You, you can My buy God. it right now. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Everyone, cut that previous thing out right now. Rush out. I'm going to play mine. I'm so happy. Click your yep. build button. Oh, I'm going to be yeah. clicking that build button. Trust me. <laughs> Jerry's going to get an email. And, and, It'll be 10.01. <laughs> Previous past tense to now. I, I, I will have already have clicked it at 10.01, and I've sent him an email already, and I'm like, Jerry, why isn't it working? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we, we, we joke about it. We gloss over it. We mention it, but um, it is really cool that if you own a P3, the thing you've you spent the money on getting this system, you can literally go download and play this game today. You don't have to wait in line. You just buy them, the, buy the game and download it and play it. And you don't have to call a distributor either and deal with any of that malarkey. You just log into Multimorphic and you go to the store and you're like, gimme, 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 and you buy it and that's it. Yep, that's right. So if you don't have a P3... Get Don't a P3. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you and then one. you'll have access to all this stuff too. I did tell Ryan, I've told him multiple times that like there's days where I'm so lazy that I don't want to take the play field out. And so being able to play different games is like mind-blowingly awesome because I'm like, do I really want to play Barnyard? Yep. <laughs> and then I'll go play Heist. And then I'll go play Silverfall. Like it's so fun to be able to switch games and not have to take the play field out. It's, yeah. I love it. I love it so much. And the flexibility and then, that it gives too, because each playfield now has their own set of like either mini games or now, you know, in Sorcerer's Apprentice, a, a full fledged like retheme. Like that's really awesome to have that kind of interchangeability even inside of the specific playfield modules themselves. Um, so. Yeah, some of our games like, uh, like Rocks, like Barnyard, like Shoot and Scoot are designed to work on any play field so um, if you don't want to change your play field that moment you you do have access to all those games and then other games uh, we all know nick baldridge who's uh, a great guy and an amazing developer and he's been creating his own games for the p3 based on our public developers kit and so far he's created a game for um, the cosmic kart racing play field called ranger in the ruins uh, the Heist Playfield, which is the Silver Falls game you guys were talking about, he's worked on, for a while, he's been working on a game called Quest for Glory for the Lexi Lightspeed Playfield, um, which he's battling the licensor, trying to get permission to, uh, to distribute that game. And I'm sure for every Playfield we'll come out with, uh, Nick will come up with some crazy idea to implement a cool new game for that one. So it just adds to the the breadth and the interest in each of the playfields that we have, which is really, really neat. 
I swear that dude uh, Nick stole Hermione Granger's little time travel device. Because I don't know how he has time to do this with, with kids. Yeah, Nick's pretty... Uh pretty amazing he's i don't know if it's efficiency or just uh, <laughs> he is the guy doesn't need to sleep or what he i i kind of talked to him about this i was like how do i manage all this and he's like well i always i don't know if he if his grandpa said or whatever but he's like you have 15 minutes for something every like you, you pick something you do for 15 minutes minimum and so like his day is just like super organized my life is just pure chaos so nothing gets done <laughs> his his life is a sequence of 15 minute chunks yeah i guess he's pretty good at uh keeping things very uh on track i mean see i thought i thought it was because our dev kit did a lot of the work for you and he just <laughs> so it's easy <laughs> jerry why does it take you a year to get a game out come on it sounds like it's easy <laughs> yeah yep 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 yeah that public dev kit jerry you should check that out i hear it <laughs> Light speed. <laughs> so we like to say we did the uh, we did the boring uh, underlying work and allow people to create the fun, interesting gameplay content on top of it. And that's generally true. But of course, we're minimizing the amount of time and effort it takes to create that that really fun <laughs> and immersive experience. Yeah, like you have the framework there. So now I just have to go in and like do all the fun, AKA the fun stuff of like the yep. assets and the deeper code or light shows. Yep. We did the crap work. You get to do the fun <laughs> stuff. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, but we'll also be here to answer all your questions. So feel free to hit us up or hit Nick up. He's an expert now. He'll answer all your questions. Yeah. No, Nick and Ian have been great. I haven't had too many uh, questions yet besides getting my, just my build environment up, but that was also a learning experience. Yeah, awesome. I can't wait to see what you what you develop, what you come up with. I've heard you have some pretty uh interesting ideas. Uh I might He just wants to make mobile phone games, don't worry. <laughs> don't set your don't set your hopes too high for Parnell. At least initially. What I just heard you say is he's going to create a game that's a pinball game that operates online with someone holding a cell phone. That's what I heard. Yep, that's exactly what it's going to be. Cool. <laughs> don't worry, I won't listen to Ryan. I will put my earplugs in because that guy has some crazy recommendations that no one should listen to. And don't worry, when you come out with your game and you think it's done and you explain it to Ryan, he'll probably tell you everything you need to change. Yeah, mm. absolutely. <laughs> Nick, Nick uh, had advice on the Discord and I was like, yep, you're not going to please everyone, so just make sure you like it when you release it because you're going to get feedback that isn't positive. Well, that's absolutely true. It's actually one of the benefits of the platform is that so many different play fields, so many different games to play on the play fields. There's something, and now there's many somethings that everyone will enjoy, but probably nobody will enjoy every single game. No one enjoys every Nintendo game that's been developed for the Nintendo. Well, except uh, for Barnyard, because Barnyard's <laughs> perfect. Well, what I meant was there's no single person who likes every single game that is developed for any platform, but there's a That's ton true. of variety and a ton of breadth and a ton of different things that you can experience playing these P3 pinball games that uh, there's, there's definitely something everyone in your family will enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My daughter got excited about fighting the Kraken again. So I got to oh, yeah. get my wife to do some lifting for me. 
to put that Cannon Lagoon in there. Cannon Lagoon is much lighter than Heist, though, so at least there's that. Yes. Yeah, it is a little lighter, so it won't be too bad to lift it up. You know, one thing we also glazed over uh, <clears throat> for the Sorcerer mode, uh, is that a multi-ball mode? <clears throat> the Sorcerer mode is a single ball mode. Nope. Okay. Not multi-ball. All right. Uh, Basically, as you progress through the game, you're learning, you're being taught, and then you're practicing how to use your spells effectively. Okay. Um, navigate those white buttons while you're flipping the ball around. And so the better you get at that, um, the better chance you're going to have in the sorcerer mode because he, he basically challenges you to prove that, that you've gotten good at everything. So, Jerry, have you beaten it yet? Because you're like god tier at uh, the P3 platform. Like, well, let let me put it this way: we dialed in the the amount of damage you take from a sorcerer hit, and the amount of damage you give to him by hitting a good shot, and how often he attacks you. We dialed in those values based on how often I was beating him. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh! How often you were beating him? Okay, so you've already beaten the sorcerer. I've beaten times. the sorcerer at least in the early days when he was too easy to beat. Hmm. Let hmm. me say it this way: If you get really good at the game, it is po it is possible to defeat the sorcerer. If you're not good at the game and you don't do very well, um, you're never going to beat the sorcerer. Okay, Ryan, so when you can beat the Sorcerer, you can beat Jerry at Cosmic Cart. I've beaten Jerry Cosmic Cart once, and then every <laughs> other time I've raced against Jerry, he has laid the smackdown so bad, it's like I'm a three-year-old playing Mario Kart playing against a speedrunner. Like, it's not even like... he. Like, I start, and he's already finished. It's incredible. <laughs> See, I've played it enough, and, oh, by the way, I wrote the rules for CCR. Um, <laughs> but I've played it enough to know what shots I'm good at. So in certain modes where you have options on which shots to hit to accelerate faster, I generally just hit the same ones over and over again. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, we got tricks. Yeah, I guess it does pay when you're the one that designed the game and did the rules for it. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but that feels so insulting to my skill level. You are really good, though, and I've, I've heard that from multiple people that actually know you in, like, real life, too. Like, you are supposedly, like, really, really good. And I, I used to be, and then I started working on pinball, and I stopped playing it every day, and now I'm, now I'm okay. Well, I'm I, okay. I feel that, because I can 100% attest to having been super swamped and not having time to play pinball regularly uh, due to even just my little part in the, in this game. So yeah, that happens. It was still fun. I'd do it again. You know, I don't know. I heard from you at one point in time that it was one of the more fun you things you've ever done. So it was without a doubt, the most fun thing I've ever done. <laughs> the most. Yep. Yep. The most sweet. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys giving me the chance to talk about the game and talk about the P3. Um, it's fun to hear your podcast because you guys are both obviously really supportive and really enjoy the platform. And I can't thank you enough for for helping promote it and for helping to help other people understand what it's about. And 
yeah thank you i mean that's what it's all about like pinball in general is all just supposed to be this community and uh i think that there isn't enough press about multimorphic so i mean we i was lucky enough to get a p3 and once i got it i mean that was it because once i had parnell over he felt the exact same way i did and i mean i mean shoot he he bought one so (laughs) (laughs) obviously we we really love the platform and uh you know it needs to be talked about more so that's what we do yeah, thank you. I, obviously, I really appreciate it. And and that kind of follows along what we see, too. There are a lot of people who haven't played it before who, who can develop an impression of it from watching videos or whatever. But um, we have really good, uh, what's the word, luck, or we we get people in front of the game. People have them over to their house to play the P3. And usually people are coming away with really good feelings about it. And a lot of times it turns into sales. So we can't thank everyone enough for, for showing off their games, being proud of them and for, uh, for supporting us. Yeah. You people really need to just play it. And then um, recently, even on the pin side, multimorphic threads, uh, there's been a ton of people asking like, Hey, is there one in this city or this city? And uh, sadly, I don't know if there is, but there's not a ton of them on route. However, there's um, a handful of collectors are nice enough to have people over, uh, even in this this time of the pandemic. But if if they feel safe, uh, they can invite people over. And uh, that was my plan when uh, when uh, we can have another pinball party and get get all my pinball buddies from the local Duluth area. We can they want to check it out. They've. They've already seen gameplay of the heist, and I've <laughs> I can't stop you know bragging about getting a a new game and stuff like that. So everybody's pretty excited yeah. to be able to swap playfields, and I'll probably have to get yeah. Grand Slam soon. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you for bringing that up as well, because there are a handful, uh, more than a handful. There's there's a couple dozen P3s on location now, but the vast majority of our game sales go to the collectors, consumers, people who who wanted to take advantage of the value proposition, save floor space in their house and, and build that game library. So yeah, it's uh it's getting better. There's a lot more excitement about the machine. Now it seems like as the game library grows, more people buy in, more people talk about it. We start hyping up additional games. We've been promoting sources apprentice for a couple of weeks now online, and we're starting to get a lot of chatter about the machine uh, people are jumping into the Discord channel and talking about it, and that's generating more s- excitement. The pin side threads are growing. Facebook posts are getting more excitement. There's definitely an uptick in the the perception and the excitement for the machine, and the licensed theme we're working on is is gonna. I, I expect it to have a pretty big impact on people's impression of the game. So. Uh, all good things. We're, we're we're making good progress. We're getting more machines sold. We're getting more games out there, and uh, we're getting a lot of love from the community. And we we appreciate it. And we're going to keep supporting it. And we're going to keep building up that library. God, you keep talking about this license. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> okay, so mm. when you pull your playfield out in the very back panel, there's some invisible ink. Oh God, I gotta go buy a. UV light. <laughs> it's in a tough to spot area though, so 
You got to take all the boards off the bottom of your don't, house. <laughs> don't give up too easily. I'm going to have to just climb in my game. <laughs> if at first you think you're, you think we were kidding, just, just look a little bit longer. See, Scott Denise, who was right all along, Parnell. See, there is a hidden code in there. I'm going to waste more of my time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to actually, I'm going to make up something now. I'm going to stick it in there like a post-it note of like, a stupid <laughs> picture and be like, look what I found. Wait, wait until we release the game and then go put something on your machine and take a picture of it and be like, there it was all along. <gasps> oh, God. That's, it's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Tuesday, so I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> a little wizard hat or something in there. That's funny. That's funny. But seriously, guys, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for all the support. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and great. thank you as well for coming on and letting us kind of get a, a first crack and first stab at, at this title. And hopefully you'll, uh, you know, have amazing success with this title. And, uh, you know, we'll get more opportunities in the future to talk about new titles coming down the pipeline as well. So. Fantastic. Let's do it. All right. Well, with that, Jerry, I think uh, it's that time. So I'm going to bid you good morning, good day, good evening, and good night. <laughs> That's a lot of good nights. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Bye.